Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I'm going to look at two passages of scripture today that I'm going to read to you. She'll come up on the screen too. The first is from Psalm 86. Verse 11, it's David speaking. He says, teach me your way, Lord, that I, may, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The second passage is in Ezekiel 11, verses 17 through 21. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Lord. Today I want to talk to you about having an undivided heart. I was saved, some of you know my story, but I was saved around the age of seven and for the most part I was raised in a Christian home, so I haven't had to deal with some of the challenges that some of you might have to face who came to Christ a bit later in life. And I'm so thankful for this, but it's also presented another challenge for me. And that's been the challenge of basing my righteousness on the good things that I've done for the Lord and the way I've tried to live over receiving that righteousness as a free gift, which is something never, none of us could ever earn. I think an important revelation for all of us to have is that sin and rebellion doesn't just manifest in overt sins like sexual immorality or greed. But the sins that Jesus most often confronted were the ones of self-righteousness. And all of us who have been serving in church or serving God for any length of time could be prone to start relating to God through our good works rather than through faith in his unmerited favor. I've probably had one of the most spiritually intense weeks of my life. I actually wasn't going to go through with this message. I wasn't sure that I could get up here and do this. I actually started preparing. God started speaking to me a couple of months ago about this message. And I kind of put my outline together. And then just earlier this week when I came back to put it all together, just all hell broke loose in my mind and... Um, Lots of things related to what I'm speaking about today started to surface in my heart. So I didn't want to get up here because I didn't want to be a hypocrite today. Because the Lord has shown me this week that my heart's been divided. And all the while I believed that I was living in undivided devotion to Jesus. You know, God spoke very clearly to Jason and I about moving here to this city to plant this church. And I have to be honest, over the last few weeks, I kind of lost sight of that. 
and I've wanted to give up on leading this church. My heart's been divided because I took my eyes off the Lord and I put it on people. And I've cared more about the opinions of people than the thoughts of God and what he thinks towards me and my calling. Honestly, if I told you some of the crazy thoughts that I've been having this week, you probably wouldn't believe me. You know, Jason, so thankful for his steadfastness. And, you know, Jason has always said there's no plan B. This is it for us. Our whole lives have been preparation for what God has called us to do here. So, of course, this week I'm thinking, I can't do this anymore. And so then I'm having crazy thoughts about how I can sabotage my marriage so that I don't have to be married to Jason so that I don't have to lead the church anymore. Like it's, when I say it out loud, it's crazy. But this is what the enemy does. We, he, he lies to us in our minds and for some reason it makes sense. And then you say it out loud and it's so ridiculous. But you know, whenever the enemy turns up the heat in our lives, it's often, often because we're right on the verge of a breakthrough. And there's a new season, I believe, coming of God's grace and his power. And the enemy's number one goal, let me just tell you, if you're not aware, is to get you to give up. That's his number one goal, to submit to the temptations of a divided heart and sabotage what God has called you to do. I believe that there's a desire in all of us to give ourselves fully and completely to God. It's not that we would choose to be divided, but the reality is Jeremiah 17 verse nine tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We can't fully understand and know all the depths that is in our own heart and we can't trust our emotions and our feelings about different things because they come and go. And that's why God has given us his word and he's given us his spirit to lead and guide us into truth. God will always use our circumstances and our situations to reveal the depths, sometimes the ugly things that are in our heart because he wants us to fully turn to him for help in our time of need. It's not possible to live the undivided life without the spirit of God. We can all begin something with good intentions but then not finish it because our desire grows cold, because we lack discipline, or because we just get bored and we want to move on to something else. This is why only half of my dining room chairs, if you've been to my house, have been newly covered. <laughs> only half. I have the materials, I have everything that I need, but only half of them have been done, which <laughs> you need to finish that job. <laughs> the journey of undividing our hearts is a process. And as you can see, I'm still on the journey and I've been serving Jesus for almost 40 years now. God desires that we live in undivided devotion to him, but he knows that we can't do it without his help. We have to make a commitment every single day to put him first and to commune with him and to invite him into our day. We know that we confess Jesus as Lord upon salvation, but Paul exhorts us in Philippians 2 verse 12 that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So there's always going to be distractions that are going to try and come to draw us away from complete allegiance to God, to divide our hearts, it's human nature. But we are subject to a higher nature. We live by the Spirit. First John 2.18 tells us that everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but they come from the world. 
Paul tells us in Galatians 5.16 that if we walk by the Spirit, then we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So how do we live with an undivided heart like David prayed? Well, I believe this passage from Ezekiel that we read at the beginning has some answers for us. An undivided heart is free from idolatry. In verse 18, God said they will return to it, it being the land, and remove all of its vile images and detestable idols. Is there anything in your life that might need to be removed in order for you to return to the Lord? Might be a relationship where you're unequally yoked. Could be a pattern of finding your identity in your career or a job. Could be a hobby, something that started out just as fun and something you did from time to time, but it's now taking priority over your relationship with God. Many of us, when we think of idols, we think of carved statues or created things, but idols are not always visible. They can be hidden in our heart. Tim Keller has a brilliant yet challenging book called Counterfeit Gods, and in it, he asked this question, what is the one thing that if you lost it tomorrow, life wouldn't be worth living? If the answer is anything other than Jesus, then it's probably an idol. Could be your spouse, your children, your reputation, whatever it might be for you. An idol is anything that is more important to you than God. It's anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. It's anything you seek to give you what only God can give. It's anything that replaces God as your source of security or identity. You know, this week I realized that I've made an idol out of what other people think of me. And it's steadily absorbed my heart and my imagination more than God. And I've sought that to give me what I can only receive from God because he is perfect. And he doesn't change his mind about me based on my performance. God, I just want to repent to you in this moment, Lord. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry that I've looked to other people to give me what only you can give me. And God, I thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God, I thank you that I am fully accepted by you. And God, I thank you that you love me. And Lord, I thank you that you are not judging me based on my performance, Lord, but when you look at me, you see Jesus and he already paid the price. God, I'm so thankful today and I receive your forgiveness, Lord. You're a good God. We can also see from this passage in Ezekiel that an undivided heart remains tender and humble towards the Lord. In verse 19, it says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. A heart of stone represents someone who is unresponsive to God's commands and unyielding to his will. They're essentially spiritually dead. A heart of flesh, in contrast, who's one, is one whose heart is soft and sensitive. It's alive and responsive to God. It's aware and submitted to the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit. The context here of this passage in Ezekiel is that this promise from the Lord comes at a time when the Israelites were in exile because of their disobedience. 
And God is promising that a time will come when he will gather them back to the land and transform their hearts so they can walk in intimate relationship with him and in a way that pleases him. This was a promise that looked forward to their Messiah, Jesus, coming to die for their sins as the ultimate Lamb of God. But now for us, we are the ones on the other side of the cross. We can experience the benefit of this sacrifice when we fully put our trust in Christ and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. When we are born again, he makes our hearts new. He makes it soft, but we also have to continue to relate to him in a way that keeps our hearts soft by continuing to trust in his grace, which is the unmerited, undeserved favor of the Lord. So let me ask you, how do you respond when someone you love and trust challenges you in an area that you need to grow in? Do, we, do you get defensive and proud? Or do you respond with humility? How do we respond when we receive, when we experience injustice? How do we respond through the suffering and the trials of life? I learned this week that the default of my heart is to want to give up, is to want to tap out and just say it's too hard. Here's a new fridge magnet idea for you. John 16:33 says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus said. The only way that we can believe this promise and lay hold of the peace that Christ purchased for us is when we have an undivided heart. An undivided heart towards Jesus can walk in complete peace because an undivided heart is soft enough to hear his voice saying, keep going, don't give up, I'm going to be with you to the end. My mum passed away a little over six years ago now and I'll never forget hearing Bill Johnson say something when my mum was in palliative care and she was nearing the end of her cancer journey. He said, the only way to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding is when we give up our right to understand. There were so many things that didn't make sense in my natural mind during that season and I could have hardened my heart towards the Lord. But the only way to keep my peace was to keep my eyes on him and to dwell in his presence, to trust that he was good, that what the Bible said about him was true, and that he was with my mom and he was with me. I wasn't in denial in any way, but I just chose to give it over to him rather than allow it to divide my heart, which is what the enemy would have wanted. Finally, an undivided heart finds joy in submission to Christ. Verse 20 says, Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. As many of you have heard us talk about our kingdom culture values here at NUMA, one of those values is that God's word is our foundation. I've noticed a few people using this popular term in culture right now um, where people reference your truth or my truth. I'm sure some of you have, have heard that being said. And I find this really confusing because speaking this way suggests that truth is relative to an individual. Philosophers call this view truth relativism. It means that when someone makes a claim, that claim is made true or false by what they believe or how they feel, which sounds more like an opinion to me. You know, there's only one truth that we are called to live by, and that truth is found in the Bible. It's in the word of God. We don't have to wander through life 
aimlessly wandering how God has called us to live, but it's, we've got it here with us in black and white. Everything that we need in life, we can find in his word. In the depths of my pain this week, we managed to get an emergency appointment with our counsellor, which I was very thankful for on Friday afternoon. And he reminded me of this verse, God loves a cheerful giver. And I thought it was really odd that he would say that to me because I've only ever read that scripture in the context of giving money. And Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth about their giving, but it really challenged me on a deeper level with regard to the giving of myself, to the work that God has called me to do. If I'm being honest, I would say I haven't felt a lot of joy recently. In fact, I felt a lot of sadness and I really struggled, like I said earlier, with bringing this word today because I'm not out the other side yet. I, I did get some victory on Friday, enough to feel confident about standing up here um, to bring this. But I know that these tendencies are still in my heart and I know that I have some work to do. And now I'm doubly accountable because I brought it before all of you. But I've been dealing with a divided heart when it comes to the weight and the pressure of leadership. Yes, I had a dream as a little girl to one day lead a church, but it hasn't felt like a dream. It's actually felt way harder than I could ever imagine. But that's not because of any of you. That's because of my own undivided heart that has feared people and what they think about me more than I feared God. You see, when we live with an undivided heart, we delight in God's ways. We don't see the things in the Bible as a set of rules to live by or negative restrictions, but we delight to live according to his word because we know that that will bring joy to his heart and we know that he wants what's best for us. You know, I find so much joy in submitting to Jason as my husband most of the time. <laughs> submission, submission in our culture is actually a dirty word, but for me, I find it a joy, do you know why? Because he provides safety, he provides security, he provides unconditional love, and he daily lays his life down for me. And I'm so thankful for that. The only time I don't feel like that is when he's eating late at night. <laughs> we have some issues there, but anyway, we're working on that, aren't we? <laughs> when we know and we trust God's character, he's easy to submit to. But when we have a divided heart, we tend to want to choose our own way rather than live according to his word. We find the words of Jesus restrictive instead of freeing, which is what they're supposed to be. I just want to read to you a psalm that I read yesterday in my time with the Lord that just illustrates this so beautifully. It's in Psalm 112, and it says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If we want our kids to rule and reign in life and to be successful, which I'm sure any parent in here would say yes to that, then we have to fear the Lord and we have to find great delight in his commandments. Here's another great promise in the same Psalm, especially for the times we're living in right now. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. You know, the media is out there to perpetuate fear all the time. 
But remember this promise in scripture. God has given us a promise for everything that we face in life. When you hear bad news, remember this. Remember that your heart is secure. If you're trusting in the Lord, you don't need to have any fear, any fear of bad news because God promises that we are going to look in triumph on our foes. That's something that we can hold on to. I just want to finish today by sharing um, something, a very personal revelation actually that God gave me yesterday. It was through a prophetic activation that Pastor Stacy taught me. Um, and I want to share that with you. Um, so she, she encouraged us with this activation to just, you just take some deep breaths and just release any tension in your body. And then I just started to inhale. And in my mind, I was saying, as I inhaled in my weakness, and as I exhaled, I said, I'm strong. So I just repeated that from the Bible. In my weakness, I am strong. And then I asked the Holy Spirit, what am I worried about right now? And the answer to that was, I'm worried about what everyone else thinks about me. So I saw myself on earth and I saw this situation playing out in front of me. And then I asked the Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want to show me? Any details from this situation that I haven't seen yet? And then using my redeemed imagination, I imagined that there was a lift to the side of me. And I saw a beam of light in the lift as the lift opened. This light could have been an angel. It could be Father God. But this light invited me to hop into the lift, and it felt very safe. So as I got into the lift, I pressed number two on the keypad. And I didn't get out on the second floor. I stayed in the lift with the beam of light where I was safe. But with the door opened, I asked the Holy Spirit to show me what is the spiritual battle over the situation that I'm dealing with right now on earth. He might show me demonic forces. He might show me angelic forces. I'm not getting out on this second level. I'm just receiving intel. So as I looked out into this room on the second level, the room was so busy. Like it was, it was very loud. It was very chaotic. And I saw an angel that was trying to get me to a man that was sitting in the corner of the room. But I couldn't seem to get there because there was so much busyness and noise going on and and I was seeing all this incredible food and I was seeing these beautiful flowers and I was seeing these different items of clothing. And it just felt like all these things were vying for my attention and trying to get me to find my worth and my beauty in these things. But I just knew if I could just get to the corner of the room, then that's where my answer is. Anyway, then the door shuts and I'm back in the lift with the beam of light and I press number three on the keypad and I'm now in the third realm I'm being invited into heaven and you might be greeted there by father God you might be greeted there by an angel it might be a parent who's gone before you it might be a child I actually saw father God when the lift door opened and I came out of the lift and with the help of father God I looked down through second realm back to the situation on earth and I asked the Father, God, what do you want to say to me from this third realm, from heaven's perspective? I asked him, is there anything you want to show me while I'm here? And it's a little bit hard to describe, but the room I was in was so light and very airy. There was a, there was a beautiful breeze blowing, like wasn't hot or cold. It was like the perfect temperature. And there was no noise. 
but even in the silence i could hear um comforting sounds like i could hear birds singing i could hear ocean waves but they were very very faint in the distance now this might sound a little bit strange if it doesn't sound strange already <laughs> um, but just go with me sometimes the prophetic can seem a little bit out there but all of a sudden this room i was in that represented heaven the actual room became the face of god so everywhere i looked whether it was around me on the walls whether it was the ceiling all the fall everything was the face of god and the father showed me in that moment that as long as my focus and my attention is on him then there's perfect peace there's a lightness in my spirit but when i'm distracted and i'm focusing on all these other things that are around me that's when i get confused that's when i get tired that's when i get weary and that's when i forget who i am and you know god has given us his word which is a perfect picture of who he is jesus said in john 14 verse 9 if you've seen me then you've seen the father the moment we take our eyes off jesus we lose sight of our own identity and we operate out of pride and insecurity instead of humility and identity thank you for joining us for this message today we don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God, and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.